we are once again chasing around the shadows in the dark, the cryptic monsters that seem to haunt our nightmares. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see that you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, cryptid encounter horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, and stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let us get right into these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories that'll keep you inside tonight. In the early winter of 1996, I was dating a girl from the Tonto Apache Reservation in Payson, Arizona. After leaving the reservation sometime around 3am in the morning, I had a right-hand turn from the res to go back into town, before the stoplight and big casino were built there. And I saw the scariest thing I have ever seen in my lifetime. Off to my right, out of the big ditch just on the edge of the headlights, I saw a very strange and intimidating creature. The creature looked like a man at first, but I quickly learned it was nothing of the sort. This thing slowly walked from the right-hand shoulder of the road to the center of the right lane, right in front of me. It slowly walked across in front of me, staring at me the entire time, looking straight into my eyes. This thing had the body and torso of a well-developed man, yet it was covered in fur, that of which resembled the fur of a coyote or maybe a wolf. The torso was muscular, and then I noticed that this creature did not walk on normal legs. It had legs that were similar to a deer, and it walked on hooves. Lastly, I noticed the creature had a head the size of a man, but it had a small snout like a coyote snout, dog ears, and eyes that were very piercing and illuminating a grayish-blue color. These eyes were not of human origin, I can say that confidently. Remember, this was 3am in the morning, and before the lights of the big casino or the street lights in the southern Payson area were put in. Its eyes literally glowed, and it stared at me as it then made its way into the second left-hand lane. It again stopped and stared at me as I slowly drove by. The whole time I had eye contact with this thing. I must add that even though this incident did happen, I felt like I was the only person on the planet at that moment, and that this creature knew everything about me. Everything I was, everything I ever would be, it owned me in every single way. It appears the entire world went into slow motion, and I was meant to see this thing. As I passed the creature, and was able to finally break eye contact with it, I shift gears in my truck and haul ass all the way to town and all the way home, on the north side of Payson. I could not even take my eyes off the road, and was afraid to even look beside me. As stated above, this thing owned me, in every way. When I arrived home, I literally had to call my father on my cell phone, and have him turn on the porch light and step outside of the house before I could make it to the porch in the dark. I tried to explain to my father what I had seen out there, but could not stop crying because I was just replaying what I had seen in my mind over and over again. When I could finally talk, I explained what I had seen, and my father agreed to go back with me at first light to see if we could find any sign of fresh tracks or anything that would help explain my experience. I am a fourth generation big game hunter, 
and I was raised in the backcountry hunting and fishing. And even though at first light we would go check the tracks, I knew what I saw was not human. I sat up until daylight and headed toward the res at first light. As expected, we couldn't find any tracks or any fresh sign of anything. I did not go back to see my girlfriend for some time afterward. It was almost a week before I would go back out there. When I did go back and told my girlfriend what I saw, she did not seem too surprised and began to explain something to me. She then stated that her father needed to talk to me ASAP. I waited for a few days to go up there and see him. When I did, he brought me into this room, and I proceeded to tell him what I saw that night. He told me what I had seen was a skimwalker. I can tell you shortly after, I left my girlfriend for non-related issues and have not gone back to that res ever since. I live in a very out-of-the-way village in a 70-year-old house roughly 19 miles from the border of Colorado. This was back in the 90s. You'd think the house, which everyone even in my family thinks is haunted, would be the whole story. But no. My story is about the cemetery, which is only a couple of blocks away from my family home. That's why they say it's haunted, even though I disagree. That's because of what I saw one day at sunset, when I was about 7 or 10 years old. And even just recalling it makes my heart freeze and start to race with unease. I had just finished a rather short fist fight with my cousin. She had managed to give me a good bloody lip and a black eye. Living so close to farms, nature, mountains, and so on, it isn't too surprising. You're raised to be tough and hunting, tracking, camping, and other wilderness survival. But they don't prepare you for some of the unusual things. Anyway, I was upset that I, a boy, had been badly beaten by my girly cousin and didn't even notice I had walked in frustration past the graveyard. And by the time I did, it was already a little past sunset. I knew my mother would be furious for me staying out late, and that that thought occupied my mind as I started jogging back home past the graveyard. And that's when I noticed it. I usually refer to this thing as it or thing, because from a distance, it looks like a person just standing there, just beyond the graveyard's open gated entrance. Yet, I could feel this uncomfortable feeling like I shouldn't be seeing this or even around this person, this stranger or this creature. Also, stranger danger was a big thing back then. I passed him without really looking at him and just went as I was about 20 or so feet away from him. I turned and now remembering I wish I didn't, he had no eyes. It was very similar to what Slenderman would look like, except he had this mouth with jagged teeth. It seemed to smile like he was grinning at me. Mouth filled with long, almost bear-like teeth. A mouth deformed, almost like it was bigger than its head. And he was the average size and height of an adult, except there was just something wrong about the way it was standing. I was absolutely horrified. But like any kid, I wanted to pee my pants and run. But yet, I stood there frozen. Honestly, I did not know what to think about this monster. It's like he had some hold over my entire body. But what finally got me to run wasn't the monster, but the growl I heard from the graveyard's entrance. Daring to look away from the now drooling mouth monster, I then saw this phantom black dog thing, its eyes a burning fire red. That thing got me to run, especially when its eyes seemed to instantly lock onto mine. Or at the very least, that's what it felt like. It felt like it was telling me to run or that I shouldn't be seeing any of this. I ran as fast as I could. I could finally move my body freely again, 
only daring to look back once upon hearing a very unnatural howl that pushed more fear into me. Through forming tears, I saw that dog thing attack the mouth monster. It was something like you'd see in a monster movie, something straight out of Supernatural. That's the closest I can come to explaining what I had seen. And now, you're the only person I'm telling. If anyone else has had this kind of experience, just know I understand. Fear helps us whether we know it or not. I'm just thankful for all my blessings. I've never seen anything like that since. Not even now that I'm far older. Thanks for letting me vent my long-held fear of what I think was a gravehound and an evil spirit. Hey there, Swamp Dweller. Good afternoon. I wish this story could be a bit more exciting, but not much happens on the island of Tasmania. Not since Alexander Pierce escaped prison and ate his fellow convicts in 1822, or since the Port Arthur Massacre in 1996, where my pregnant mother, my father, and my nan were meant to be. The only reason they didn't go and didn't end up being a part of that massacre is that my nan wanted to go somewhere else last minute. Such a simple reason. Anyway, moving on from that. During Christmas in 2019, my parents and I decided to go up to a walking trail. There's a massive quarry, a small track you can go down, and a long track that people often walk or ride up. If we have the time, we walk up the long track. But today, we walked up the rock face and explored the quarry to try to find snakes and lizards. We were there for maybe 20 or so minutes when my mom suddenly got a feeling. This weird feeling. She said that she didn't feel like there was a snake or a lizard, but something else entirely. She felt that something was just off. I don't know if I was playing off her anxiety or maybe just feeling off as well, but I was definitely feeling it. As we got closer to the car, my mom pointed out some bones. My mind instantly went to Big Cat or Panther. I just, that's just the feeling I got. Like how on the rock face by myself while my parents were in the quarry, I got the feeling that there was something watching me. The closer I got to the car, the more off I felt. I don't know why, but instead of going through the designated entryway, I moved to the left and walked over the big rocks instead and moved straight to the car. And instead of going to the left-sided car, like I normally do, I went to the right side. My mom unlocked the door, and I could not get in quicker. While I stayed in the car, my mom opened the boot to grab something while my dad moved to the right where there was a bit of a ditch or gully and some denser brush. I kept on looking to the left out my window, if that means anything. Soon, my mom and dad got in the car, and dad said he had a weird feeling too. For some reason, after that, my mind shouted, Body. He said the closer he got to the ditch and gully, the worse feeling he got. Now, it's one thing for us to get a weird feeling, but all three of us, and the fact that my dad got the weird feeling too, my dad pretty much never gets bad feelings, and he believes in ghosts. Hell, he even saw a hellhound once. But he doesn't jump to any conclusions of supernatural or paranormal straight away if something happens. We talked for a few minutes. My mom said she felt like we were being watched, and my dad and I said something about wild dogs. We were planning to leave a few minutes later and drive slowly to try and see something. We really felt like there was something watching us as we drove, and it was only on the left side, not the right. At some point, I had felt sick and almost dreadful, but all those feelings left and dissipated once we left that area. 
Since my mind sort of went to Big Cat and Panther, I decided to look up Big Cat sightings and, hell, what do you know, a Big Cat was sighted back in August this year. Now, maybe that's not too weird for Australia. There are often Big Cat sightings. But for Tasmania, that's very rare. I'd like to hear anyone's thoughts, feelings, and opinions if you have any. I wish this could have been more interesting, and I wish I actually sighted something. But I wanted to put this out there to see if anybody else in Tasmania has been having these weird encounters with big cats, or even the feeling that they're being stalked by one. Guys, for the better part of their lives, our better halves have been fantasizing about the perfect wedding ring. Cut, clarity, carrot, color, you name it. For us, not so much and jewelry stores clearly think the same thing. I've had countless troubles I can't even begin to tell you about trying to find bracelets, necklaces, or even rings for myself in stores. But that's where Manly Bands comes in. Manly Bands is here to rescue you from an otherwise hellish band buying experience. Manly Bands offers your hand the freedom to look how you want it to, in just about every type of earthly material imaginable, and even from space. I chose the narrator band, as I love the way it looks, it's very sleek and it fits just right. To get started, order the Manly Ring Sizer from Manly Bands to ensure that your ring will fit perfectly during your work and play. Once you know your size, it's time for the fun part. Manly Bands has an insane selection of materials to choose from. You have gold, wood, antler, steel, dinosaur bone, and even the meteorites that killed them. You can also choose from one of Manly Bands' curated collections like the Jack Daniels Whiskey Barrel Collection. Once you've selected your band, Manly Bands offers free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a free warranty. While there might be a 50% chance of your marriage working out, there's a 100% chance that you're going to love your Manly Band. To order your Manly Band and get 21% off, plus a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com swamped. That's manlybands.com swamped for 21% off. Manly Bands. The best damn rings, period. My name is Jake, and this is my experience. This happened in South Texas back in 2004, around Halloween time. My friends Michael and Joey were looking for something exciting to do. We used to ride our bikes at night exploring the surrounding neighborhoods where we lived. We noticed an abandoned barn about a quarter mile off the road in between two cornfields, and decided to check it out. The path was long and dark. It was away from the dimly lit streetlight. The corn stalks hovered over the narrow path leading to the barn. It almost felt like I was being entrapped. Had it not been for the full moon, it would have been pitch black dark inside the barn. Thankfully, our flashlights, running low on battery, were enough to illuminate the way inside to check it out. We must have stuck around for 10 to 15 minutes, exploring until a strange feeling set in that someone or something was watching us from within the corn stalks. I told them, Hey guys, let's head back. It's getting late. They agreed, so we headed back to our bikes to head back down the dark path to the main road, which at this point felt and looked further than a quarter mile. Michael and Joey wanted to race each other to the main road, so they sped off, leaving me behind in the dust. As they sped off ahead, I slowly started biking towards them when suddenly I noticed corn stalks start to move heading toward my direction. This frightened me, so I picked up the pace, pedaling faster, and as I did, I noticed the dark figure started moving faster, parallel to me. I shouted, Hey guys, hold up! 
The noise of the tires speeding over the gravel drowned out my shout, though. My friends couldn't really hear me or make out what I was saying. I tensed up, because I could feel this object was going to tackle me off my bike at any moment. It was hard to get a good glimpse of it without breaking my focus on pedaling fast, straight forward towards the main streetlight. But I could tell this thing was taller than myself, and I was around five foot plus at the time. At this point, my friends had reached the main road under the streetlight. I kept thinking I just, I just need to reach the streetlight. My heart was pounding out of my chest as I finally reached the light. The dark figure stopped a few feet before the light and completely ceased to move. I biked past my friends, and they immediately followed as they noticed the terrified look on my face. Once we got more into an area with neighborhoods and light, we slowed down. I shared with them the frightening experience, and they were left in silence, not sure what to make of it. We never did go back to that area at night. I had no interest in ever going back, period. I don't know what that thing was. It definitely wasn't a human. But it was very reminiscent of that Jeepers Creepers thing that I used to see in those movies. If anybody has any idea what could have been stalking us that night, please let me know in the comments. My grandmother has shared a lot of stories over the years of growing up in East Tennessee. This lady has been struck by lightning twice. She grew up in a haunted house, and she swears she has seen Bigfoot. I wanted to share her experiences with the swamp. My grandmother grew up in a small house near Knoxville, Tennessee, with her parents and two siblings. She and her sister shared a bedroom with a small closet and fireplace. Her brother slept in the room across the hall, and her parents slept at the end of the hall. At night, she and her sister could hear a small giggle come from their closet. Eventually, they would work up the nerve to leave the closet door open one night before bed. Once the giggling started, they investigated the closet and saw a small, young boy sitting on the top shelf. It looked like he was playing a game like marbles or jacks. The girls weren't necessarily scared of him, and they drifted off to sleep as nothing ever really happened. But from then on, they left the door closed. My grandmother and her sister would also wake up because their blankets would be pulled off their bed or sometimes their beds would start shaking. Other times, they would hear chains rattling or the sound of iron sticks smacking inside the boarded-up fireplace. Although nothing really ever happened in her brother's room, he was made to believe. He drove home late one evening and found the front door was locked. They had one of those chain locks that slides into groove, so someone outside could open the door, but only slightly. My grandma heard the door open and the chain smack, meaning he tried to get in but couldn't. So she walked out of the room to go let him in. As she walked down the hallway, she saw the chain lift, glide sideways, then fall. Her brother opened the door and realized there was no one close enough to let him in other than their friendly ghost. They eventually sold the house, which their ghost friend did not approve of. My grandma had all of her clothes packed away, so only hangers were left in the closet. The day they were supposed to leave, she walked down the hall towards the front door, but she heard a clatter from the closet. She walked back to find all the clothes hangers had been thrown out of the closet and were all over the bedroom floor. That was her last encounter in the house before they moved. Sometime later as an adult, my grandmother moved to a place near Norris, Tennessee. They frequently visited Big Ridge State Park. This is where she swears she saw Bigfoot. 
she gave an account to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, the BFRO, which you can read the interview and follow-up questions on their website. They believed her story and met her there to walk the path years later. Here's the story from her point of view. My parents, my young son, and I had spent the day fishing at the Big Ridge State Park. We had packed up and headed back to the parking lot via a small trail that winds around the lake. My son and I were walking in front, and I turned around to say something to my parents. When I turned back around, there it was, walking across the trail in front of us. It was no more than 20 or so feet in front of me and my son. It looked to be about 8 to 9 foot tall if I had to guess. It didn't really have a neck. Its arms swung by its side as it walked. It had long, black and brown hair. The stride of its legs had to be 4 to 6 feet wide, since the trail was only 5 feet across and it took him one step to cross it. It walked stiffly and disappeared in the bushes and trees as it had never been there before. I turned back to my parents and asked if they saw that. They said they didn't. It was getting dark so we got out of there quickly. During and after this encounter, the forest and lake were very quiet. Even though I saw it for just a second, I know it was not a human. It had to be a Bigfoot. And there you have it, Swamp Dwellers. These were my grandmother's encounters with ghosts and what she believes to be a Bigfoot. I hope you all enjoyed it. This happened 12 years ago, and to this day I still consider me lucky. The morning was cool as we loaded into the ambulance heading to a call at the edge of town. It was 6.12am and it was still dark outside. We were called in by the police station, saying that there were multiple wounded and a few dead at what seemed to be a farm. We didn't know what caused the injuries, but we made our way to the scene. The address took us to a dirt road that led us to a home that had two police cars outside with their lights on, but we didn't see any officers posted. There was no one there. The home was attached to the farm that seemed to either be deserted or just plain old, but my focus was on the cop cars out front. Typically, when they are called to a scene, there is at least one police officer guiding us to where we needed to go, but there was no one there. A situation like this could be very dangerous. We could be heading into danger and not know it. The home's front door was open, but there weren't any lights on. There seemed to be blood on the porch that led into the house. Having been in the field for 18 months at this point, I was hardened by multiple calls with car crashes and even triple homicides, but something about this call was different. For the first time, being on call, I was afraid. I decided that rather than just sitting around, that we should enter the home and try to find the injured people. I slowly entered the home with a flashlight and a medical bag. The blood that was on the porch led into the home and up the stairs. I made my presence known, but I got no response. I tried the lights, but they didn't work. What was this place? I thought to myself. As I searched the bottom floor, I looked for clues, and I started to hear muffled sounds coming from upstairs. It sounded like something very heavy, being dragged across the floor. The other paramedics that were now with me also heard the sounds upstairs, but they also seemed to feel scared. We heard those dragging sounds continue upstairs, slowly moving to the top of the stairs. Not thinking, I began to walk to the stairs to see if anyone was there. The blood was pooling on the stairs and it was thick. It made slippery... 
It made everything slippery since the floors were made with wood. I shined my light on the top of the stairs having no idea what to expect. I slowly continued forward with another paramedic right behind me. We were halfway up the stairs when we saw a hand pull forward. A policeman who was on the ground. He continued to drag himself on the ground revealing that his lower leg was missing. Get help before it sees you, he said with extreme pain. My medical training must have kicked in as I ignored this warning and rushed to his aid at the top of the stairs. At the top of the stairs, I could see what remained of the officer and the trail of blood that he produced as he was dragging himself to the stairs. I could also see another set of stairs leading to what appeared to be the attic. The two paramedics that were with me attended to the officer at the top of the stairs and I slowly ventured to the stairs of the attic. Above me, I could hear sounds that I'm not able to describe, but they were terrifying in nature. Sounds that I assumed to be grunts or something very large eating. My flashlight was the only thing illuminating my path in the long hallway leading to the attic stairs. The hallway was long and unfurnished. I could see scratches on the walls and floors, although blood covered most of the floor. I had no idea what was happening here, or more importantly, what was still happening. But I assumed due to the blood and lack of personnel at the scene that there were many that still required my help although the scene was likely dangerous. I've experienced violence before while on duty. Many people while in shock can be aggressive and numb to pain while making subduing them quite the task. I wasn't necessarily preparing for violence, although it's never outside the realm of possibility. I proceeded to the attic steps alone, flashlight in hand. I was tempted to announce my presence, but I decided against it. I had a feeling that I've never experienced before, but the best I could describe it was that I was about to meet the devil. The literal embodiment of a devil, the, the, the embodiment of evil was up these stairs, I could feel it. I walked up the stairs slowly, hearing sounds much clearer. Sounds that didn't sound good. I was about to reach the top of the stairs when I heard a loud sound coming from downstairs and a rushing of people entering the home. I quickly turned around and ran down the stairs over to the other paramedics and the officer was in grave condition over there. Coming up the stairs was a SWAT team in full gear. This would be the first and last time I'd ever see a SWAT team come to a scene. They ordered all of us downstairs and told us to leave the officer. The officer was bandaged but unresponsive due to blood loss. They asked me, where is it, sternly, and I pointed to the attic stairs. They rushed the stairs leading to the attic with their weapons drawn, and we went down the stairs. From the bottom floor, we could hear screeching and gunfire coming from the attic. A lot of gunfire. We were ushered outside by more members of the SWAT team. By this time, the sun was starting to rise, and not only did the SWAT team arrive, but also government officials in suits. They pulled us aside and asked us many questions. They asked us what we saw and who was all inside. Thankfully, we hadn't seen much, so we told them the truth. I asked them what was going on and what was inside. They didn't answer me, and they told me to attend to the people that they'll bring out. They brought out seven bodies that day. Seven mangled bodies. None of them fully intact, however, the one officer missing both legs ended up surviving. What happened here? What did they shoot in the attic? What was I about to see in the attic had the SWAT team not arrived? I'm glad that I wasn't one of those bodies, but this night will never leave my mind. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. Thank you so much for listening to these stories. 
And if you enjoyed this video, please be sure to hit that like button, as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in its algorithm, and that's very helpful to me, and it helps the channel grow. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating over there as it helps us grow. It's very appreciated. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I might have to say story number six was mine. Wendigo's attacking SWAT team sounds like an epic adventure, if I do say so myself. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net. I'm always looking for more cryptid encounters and just scary stories in general to share with the swamp. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.